Hey, welcome to Crosswalk Church. Today, Pastor Dan is bringing you a teaching, so head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com and find today's message under the worship tab. There you can download the Crosswalk notes to follow along. And now, here's Pastor Dan. Before we begin, I have to issue an apology uh, for last week's message uh, where Pastor Jeff was preaching, now known as the Toilet Paper Sermon. And, uh, and if you didn't hear it, I encourage you to go to the podcast uh, at crosswalkphoenix.com and, and you can hear it for yourself uh, throughout the week at, at my growth group, the, the one that, that my wife and I host uh, caused many issues as we argued on which way the toilet paper should go and, and whose responsibility it is to make sure it is on the roll the proper way. And, and of course, I'm, I'm somewhat joking. I am joking. But, but as we look at last week's message, I just wanted to bring it up because the, the message was centered on the lie that I shouldn't have to change. And today, what we are going to be looking at is really the other side of the coin. And, and it's kind of a, a, a twin sister of that truth. And that is, as you see uh, your crosswalk notes, this idea, this thought that you should be like me. And as we consider that and, and ask yourself the question, do I feel that way? Do I think that way that other people should be like me? My first thought with this was, no, I, I don't think people should be like me. But then I started thinking about it a little bit more. And, and what I went through my head was this, that imagine that, that if you said that the world would be a better place if everyone blanked like me. I think we have a slide for that. The world would be a better place. There we go. The world would be a better place if everyone blank like me. I want you to think about that for a moment. If you thought the world would be a better place if everyone did this certain thing like you. And I thought about this for a while, and I don't know if the world would necessarily be a better place, but if everyone drove like me, people would get where they were going more quickly. And, and, and more, there would be less cars on the road for a period of time, which would be good for traffic, which would make the world a better place, in my way of thinking. But then I, I thought about this a little more. You could actually change it. Not only the world would be a better place, but you could say my home would be a better place or my workplace would be a better place if everyone blanked like me. I might say at home, it, it, the world would be a better place if everyone just relaxed a little bit more like me. Or my wife would probably say our house would be a better place if everyone cleaned like her. And, and it, our house would be cleaner. People would own their own messes. Uh, dishes would not remain in the sink. They would be put in the dishwasher. When the dishwasher was finished, it would be emptied so that dirty dishes could be put in. And it would be a happier, cleaner home. So how about you? What is it? What, what would make it a better place? How about if everyone had your political views? I mean, we, if everyone had my political views, we would have the budget taken care of quickly. Uh, that, that all of these issues that seem to just be stalled, that if everyone thought the same way, if everyone thought even better than that, not only the same way, but just like me, they would be taken care of. If you look at this and, and you can think to yourself something where the world would be a better place if everyone had this quality that you have, 
If everyone was more organized, if everyone paid attention to detail, if everyone worked as hard as I did, then you are believing this lie maybe a little bit more than you think you might. And and this message then is good for all of us as we look at this. And it's a warning because God has given all of us strengths, which we want to celebrate. But with every one of those strengths comes sometimes what's called a shadow or or a corresponding weakness, uh, an area where we could also use improvement. And so we, we go to our message. And again, you should be like me as we look at the post-nuclear families. Now, where we are starting our message is in the book of Galatians. Now, Galatia wasn't a city. Galatia was an area uh, of the world. It, it was maybe, I would call kind of like a state, uh, the area of Galatia. And this was written to a number of congregations that were in that area of Galatia. And the Apostle Paul, who wrote this, Uh, had a very close relationship with these people. He is the one who started those churches. He is the one that brought the good news of Jesus to them, and and they heard uh, about the forgiveness of sins through him. And so what happened is Paul went through there a number of times and and, and checked up on how they were doing. But then they had an issue. And what happened is Paul was gone. He had set up leaders in these congregations But then there were were people who came from Israel, uh, Jewish people who came and and they started to settle in in that area and visit. And they were a group of people who on the one hand, they would have recognized Jesus, that Jesus was the Christ. But they had, uh, I'll call it a hang up. And the hang up they had was with the Old Testament laws. Uh, they had ceremonial laws. They had civil laws that governed the way that they ate, the way that they would wash their hands, the, the way that they would conduct their daily life, the things that they could and couldn't do. There were hundreds of laws. And what happened is when these Jewish people came to these non-Jewish Gentile congregations, they brought these rules with them and, and they said, you know what, if if you're saying you believe in, in Jesus, you have to do these rules too, or, or you're not going to go to heaven. You have to do. It's Jesus and these rules. Otherwise, uh, you don't enjoy God's forgiveness. And so it was to this Galatian congregation that Paul was writing uh, to straighten them out because these people had this attitude, you should be like me. You should follow the rules that I did. Uh, what you're doing is wrong. And in Galatians 2, verse 11, 13, we begin uh, when, when Paul's explaining a situation that had happened earlier. And he writes, when Cephas came to Antioch. First of all, the name Cephas means rock. And it can also be translated another way, which is Peter, Petrus. Petrus also means rock. So the person that he is talking about is Simon Peter, one of Jesus' disciples. And he uses the name Cephas here to stress this, that the the name that this is Peter, this is the rock. This is uh, one of Jesus' 12 disciples. And he says, so when Cephas came to Antioch, I opposed him to his face because he stood condemned. For before certain men came from James, he used to eat with the Gentiles. 
But when they arrived, he began to draw back and separate himself from the Gentiles because he was afraid of those who belonged to the circumcision group. The other Jews joined him in his hypocrisy so that by their hypocrisy, even Barnabas was led astray. And so these Jewish people, they even had a name for themselves. They called themselves the circumcision group. And again, they were pointing these people to all of these things that, that were in the Old Testament. That, and they said, you have to do them. And, and to try to get an, an idea of what was going on, I, to try to compare it to something uh, that, that might, we might go through today, would be like this. I grew up in a church that uh, had the same message as Crosswalk of Jesus Christ. But the way that uh, the church looked was very different. And, and so in, in the church that I grew up in, my mother would have died if I would have shown up for church in jeans. I mean, it, it, if I would come down in jeans going to church, she'd be like, get back up in your room and get something on that's suitable for church. And, and so when we went to church... Uh, boy, I have these memories. My grandpa used to pick us up for church at quarter after seven. Church was at eight. Uh, we, we lived a mile away. So we would get there. There were eight kids. And they finally gave grandpa a key so that we could get in. And he made us sit down in the pew at 720. And, and we would sit in that pew. And if any one of us talked, he would come up behind and whap right in the back of the head. And it was like, oh. And I remember we were so thankful because the organist would usually get there at 7.40. And then we'd at least have some cover sound so he couldn't hear us talking, uh, even though no one else was in, in the building. And, uh, and that's the way it was. It was very formal. The only instrument that was ever used was an organ. Uh, there, there was a little sign in the back of the church uh, as you walked in that said, Be silent, for you are entering the Lord's presence. So this idea of, of saying hi to one another would never have happened, ever. Uh, and, and so that's, I'm, I'm not, and that's the way it is. So, and I'm telling you, if I were to go back there today, honestly, I, I probably wouldn't wear jeans to church. I, I would. I, and, and what happens is you tend to go back to, to the way that you were raised. And not that it's better or worse, but, but it's kind of what they do. But now imagine this. Now imagine if my parents and some other people from that church came to crosswalk. And, and now as they came to crosswalk, um, what I said is, Jonathan and the band, just so you guys know, you guys can take a few weeks off. Because we're going we're gonna to try something a little different at crosswalk. We're going to go with an organ today. We're, we're going to use the synthesizer, but we're, we're going to use the organ setting. Then the next thing, and when I came out, you'd see me on the patio, I'd be wearing a suit and tie. And then when I came out here, I'd be wearing a robe. Uh, because, you know what? That's the way uh, that, that you, you should be doing it. And you see, what, what would be happening is that the, the message would be sent is the way you're doing it is wrong, and there is a, a better way. When the reality of it is, there are churches that worship that way, are worshiping that way this morning, and God is praised through that. And there are, we are here today with a band, we are here uh, 
wearing what we wear, coming before God. And that's acceptable to the Lord as well. One is not better than the other. And so that's what happened with the circumcision group, is that the Jewish people who had grown up a certain way, now were kind of reverting back and and pushing the other new Christians away. And so in the blank, the first blanks, you can write, a group in Antioch thought that they were better than everyone else because of their rules. They thought they were better because of their rules. Rules that they made up themselves. Rules from, from the Old Testament. Rules, quite honestly, that were, were given by God to separate the Jewish people until the Christ had come. But when Jesus came, he kept the ceremonial laws. He kept the, the moral laws. He kept the civil laws. He kept all of God's law. The, the law of love, to love the Lord his God with all his heart, soul, and strength, and love his neighbor as himself. And that's what Jesus did. And he did that to pay the price for you and and for these people, for all people. And, And so Paul needed to tell Peter and the rest of them, you need to let these laws go. Jesus has fulfilled them, that, that you do not need to follow them. And if you tell other people to as well, you are wrong. In the second blank, you can write, Peter and Barnabas were sucked into this hypocrisy. Peter and Barnabas were sucked into this hypocrisy. Now, as you look at that, they're sucked into this hypocrisy. I don't know about you, but I don't use the word hypocrisy a lot. And so I went and I got a little definition. This is what hypocrisy is. Hypocrisy is the practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. Again, I'll read it one more time. The practice of claiming to have moral standards or beliefs to which one's own behavior does not conform. And a simpler way of saying that, a person doesn't practice what they preach. And so you have this this group coming with all these laws and all these rules about what you needed to do in addition to Jesus to be saved, and they had all these rules, but the hypocrisy of it was that they weren't doing it either, that they couldn't keep these laws. That's why Jesus needed to come. Because he was keeping these rules that that for thousands of years, the children of Israel could not. Which is why God pointed them to a savior. And the warning for us, why it's so significant that Peter and Barnabas were sucked in. Again, what does the name Peter or Cephas mean? It means rock. So, so now you have someone who is so rock solid in his faith, right? Someone who had seen Jesus die on the cross. Someone who had seen Jesus after he rose from the dead. Someone who for 40 days after the resurrection had, had seen Jesus alive. He, he watched him ascend into heaven. Peter had seen all of this. He was rock solid in his faith and he was led astray. Barnabas, the other individual, his name wasn't Barnabas. Barnabas was his nickname. And Barnabas literally meant son of encouragement. So Barnabas was the guy. Barnabas would be the individual that would have been a a greeter here at Crosswalk. 
Uh, Barnabas would have been a, a person who, uh, when someone w- went through 101 class, would just show up and say, hey, I'm Barnabas. I'm here at Crosswalk. I love you guys. And why don't you come on over to my house? And it is so great to have you guys here. Barnabas was just an encouraging person uh, who encouraged all these new believers. And now the rock-solid guy and the most encouraging person to these new believers were led astray, were doing the same thing, and these poor people, these poor new believers in Christ were, were left scratching their head on, on how exactly a person does go to heaven. Is it by what you do or is it by what Jesus has done? And Paul said, this needs to stop. Instead of having others be like me, instead of these Jewish people having others be like them, this is what God says in, in Matthew chapter five forty-eight. This is Jesus' Sermon on the Mount when he said, Be perfect, therefore, as your heavenly Father is perfect. Be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. So in the blank you can write, God doesn't want others to be like me. He wants all of us to be perfect like him. God doesn't want others to be like me. He wants all of us to be perfect like him. And the beauty of this is twofold. One of them is the fact that this is not Jesus being a hypocrite. And the reason why is because in this, Jesus did practice what he preached. He did live his life as true God and true man, like us in every way except without sin. And and so as he lived perfectly, as he went to the cross, as he rose from the dead, all of those things Jesus did perfect, just like his Father in heaven. And the beauty of it is that through his perfect life and death and resurrection, Jesus has given you his perfection as well. So, so what is demanded that you are perfect like God has been given to you by Jesus Christ already. And just so they understood that, just so they understood that, we go back to Galatians 2 verses 14 to 17. And, and this is a continuation of what happened. When I, and this is Paul talking to them, saw that they were not acting in line with the truth of the gospel, I said to Cephas in front of them all, you are a Jew, yet you live like a Gentile and not like a Jew. How is it then that you force Gentiles to follow Jewish customs? And so what Paul was saying is, Peter, it's like you got this, you understood this, uh, God made it clear to you that you should go to the Gentiles, that, that it was about Jesus and not about these laws, and you lived among them, and, and you embraced them, you acted like they did, and now these people come, and now all of a sudden you're, you're changing the rules, and, and, and you're not acting that way, and, and now you're telling them they have to? You're a hypocrite, Peter, Cephas, and it's got to stop. The next part is a little sarcasm. Little sarcasm from Paul. We who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles. And and so he's like, just this whole thing, like you guys are acting like they are second class citizens. Like, oh, we're Jews, so we got this all figured out. We have the rules. And and so we're a higher class. And they're just, just not because they're not Jewish. It's like, come on. So again, we who are Jews by birth and not sinful Gentiles, 
know that a person is not justified by the works of the law. For goodness sakes, don't you get it? Our people have tried to live according to the law for the last 2,000 years and haven't been able to do it. If anyone should know you can't be saved by the law, it's the Jews by virtue of having it. We are not justified by the works of the law, but by faith in Jesus Christ. So we too have put our faith in Christ Jesus that we may be justified by faith in Christ and not by the works of the law. Because by the works of the law, no one will be justified. Yeah, not those Gentiles, but you know what? Not you Jews either. And, and as soon as you get this through your head and, 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 and through your heart, then you will start to understand what the gospel, the true gospel is all about. The good news. And so in the blank you can write, we have been justified. We have been made to be perfect just like God through the work of Jesus. We have been justified, made to be perfect just like God through the work of Jesus. Can we just take a moment break here and just let this soak in? As far as God is concerned, when he sees you, it's not your sin, it's Christ's perfection. You have been made perfect just like God. That's your standing. That's who you are. It's who I am. Child of God through faith in Jesus. And for those of us who still struggle with it, I put it in a little bit of an arithmetic format. Uh, just so we get this clear. And, and so the first part of that is that Jesus plus something equals nothing. I don't know how that would go in math class, but, it, but this is what we need to understand is that if you believe that, that you are going to approach God and you are going to be justified, that you are going to be able to stand before God because of Jesus and something you do and, and the goodness that you bring to the table what you are going to end up with is nothing. Not a relationship with God, not a future in heaven. You are going to wind up with nothing. And, 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 and so if these people who had a, I believe in Jesus and I do this mentality of why they are accepted by God, that, that our works actually destroy that. Maybe the way to think about it is, I don't know if you ever watch... Uh, antique road show occasionally and you see the different things that people bring in the the old antiques and different things like that or or maybe you're someone who goes to garage sales and and looks at old furniture and i know this is something where i've gone with my mother-in-law who who loves to restore antiques one of the things that mortifies her more than anything else is when someone paints a, a beautiful piece of woodwork. She's like, oh my gosh, why did you ruin this? This was so beautiful. And, and you thought that you were going to make it better by taking some white paint and putting it on it? Are you crazy? You, you've ruined it. You've destroyed it. And now the, the only way to fix it is maybe to try to strip that off and, and get back to its original beauty. 
And we do the same, that if you think you can add to what Christ has done and add to his perfection by your good works, it's like taking that white paint and starting to slather it all over an antique. You're ruining it. You're destroying what Christ has done. But instead, Jesus plus nothing equals everything. I'm going to tell you, I stole that from a book. And the name of the book is Jesus plus nothing equals everything. It's a good read. And uh, it, it's, it's just a fantastic book. If you ever are looking for something, uh, a good Christian, solid Christian book to read. And it's this truth again that Jesus plus nothing that I bring to the table is everything. And that everything are things we've talked about so many times. My identity as a child of God. My destiny of heaven. My purpose of life of serving God. A community of believers. And the possibilities what God can do through us. Amazing. All of these things. Because we are made to be just like our God. Just like Jesus because of his perfection. Okay, so we're all the same, right? But at the same time, we're all different. And that's the beauty, that we all have the same perfection, but God shows it in our lives and gives us an opportunity to do good works in different ways. And so as we turn the page, we we go to a different portion where Paul was writing. This time he was writing to the people at Corinth, a different city. And and what he was talking to them about was this idea that, okay, we all believe in Jesus. We're all going to heaven and this is great. And at the same time, God has given us all different gifts to serve him. And what we need to understand is that as we have these gifts... They're, they're individual in nature because they're giving to us as individuals, but they're meant to be used together. And this is what he, he writes. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? If the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If you want to underline it or highlight it, just as he wanted them to be. And so as we look at God making each one of us differently and and arranging us and putting us where we are, it's just the way God wanted it. A little bit later, same chapter, he writes this. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And you know why the eye can't say that? It's because an eye can't speak, first of all. And, and because the hand can't hear him if he did speak. Because it's part of a body. So the eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. The parts that seem to be indispensable, the, the, the parts that seem to be insignificant are needed so much. And as you look at it, I would say, if you look at crosswalk as part of a body, the most visible parts of the body, especially in worship, would be Jonathan and the band with their music, uh, the pastors up here as we share the message. And in case you don't know this, and, and for those of you who do know this, we can't do it without the, the ministry teams, without the 170 people that have help every week 
Without the people that are here on Saturdays at 4 o'clock setting up. Without the people that are here after the second service at, at 12.30, 1 o'clock taking down. The people who, who run the cables. If you've never seen that screen come up or down, it needs to every week. And someone needs to do it. And no one can do it alone. The sound system, all of these things that you, you take all of those things, you take all of these supporting pieces away from Jonathan and Jeff and me and, and the rest of our team. And, and we're standing here in silence. And, and, and so as we look at that, this is an encouragement uh, to be part of that. And, and so in the blank, you can write the differences we have as Christians are a blessing from God. They allow us to serve as a unit. Again, the differences we have as Christians are a blessing from God. They allow us to serve as a unit. And so today, I'm not only saying that to you that uh, it's saying here, I can't say I don't need you. I'm going to say just the opposite. We do need you. That you, by virtue of being part of the body, have gifts and talents that if you are not using, we are living without. And so what, what would happen, and, and, and maybe you know someone who's, who's, who's lost a limb, who's lost an arm, maybe who's, who's lost both arms. Maybe you've seen pictures of that, of, of someone who's learned to, to use a spoon with their foot and they're able to feed themselves. And, and, and you say, good, that, praise the Lord that they're able to, to get by without that. But then another part of you looks at it and says, I hope I would never have to. That, it, that you would say that it's ideal to have a functioning body where all of the body parts are working. And, and so this encouragement again to you is to say that if you are not, there is a vital part of this body that is not functioning correctly. We become a body that's functioning. It, it, it's in a, a, some dysfunction. Needing that service. And then a little bit later, the Lord says in another way. This is in Ephesians 2 verse 10. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. We are God's handiwork. Literally, we are handmade by God. That God made each, each and every one of us by hand to be a good work machine that runs on the fuel of Jesus Christ. And, and so each one of us, every person here, handmade to do something just a little bit different. But yet, it's something God wants us to do. The next one, Psalm 139. Maybe my favorite psalm. Definitely one of my top five. Again, writing about his people, he said, For you created my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you because I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Your works are wonderful. I know that full well. And again, that, that idea of knitting, that, that, that we're handmade by God because there is work for me. There is work for you to do. Now, as we look at this, there, there's really two parts to this. One of them is to discover the gifts that, that I have because of the way that God made me. 
And the second part of that, that this message is about, is also to grow in appreciation for the gifts that God has given others. And so one of the ways that, that I want to help you see that and, and to maybe show you where you are at with other people is this. We are going to look at the appreciation ladder. And, and this would technically be the, the bottom of the ladder, but I'm showing it first just to show the progression. The first one is intolerance. And, and now, uh, this would be people who, with their gift set, that you can't stand them. That you are like, I just, I loathe them. I can't stand being in the same room as them. I am going to be as far away from them as I can possibly be. The next one is aggravation. And these are the people that, okay, we, we've gotten into a point where, you know, I... Uh, I can, I guess, work with them, but, but as I'm working with them on a regular basis, it's like, oh man, you know, I can't believe, do you know what they just did? And so I'm aggravated. And, and a lot of times with that aggravation, then you go share it with someone else because they're so aggravated. And then someone else, you know, you tell someone else and they're like, oh my goodness, I can't believe that. The next one is tolerance. And that's like, all right, you know, I can, I can put up with them. And usually as I tolerate them, I wear that as a badge of how tolerant a person I am, where I'm, yeah, I'm able to handle them. And, uh, and then the next one, acceptance. That, okay, you know, you know what, now you're in a situation where you're maybe even defending them. I know they're kind of special with their gifts, and, but you know what, we need to embrace them, and they're part of the team too. And I want to stop right there for a second because I would say, I want you to think of marriage. I want you to think of your family and your children. I want you to think of work. And I want you to think about your experience at Crosswalk. And I want you to think of specific people who, oh, don't put appreciation yet. Gosh! jumping the gun on me. But anyways, that as you look at that, I want you to think of people who are in that, in those categories. Because as I did this, I'm ashamed to say that there are people that I do look at that way. And it's like, oh man, I don't, some phone calls you just don't want to make because you know how it's going to go. And, and other people, when you ask them to help, you know what it's going to turn into. And, and where God wants us to go is appreciation. Appreciation is, is that final step where, where you understand that what they have is truly a gift from God. And one of the things that has helped me, and, and something I, I would definitely recommend, this is a book called Strength-Based Leadership. This is not a Christian book. Uh, but what it is, is it, it has a quiz on there, or not a quiz, it's a, something called Strengths Finder Test. And what you do, not, not test, See, when I use the word test, quiz, it's making, I don't want to take that. But what it is, is it, it allows you to go in, answer questions, and it says something about you that after you take it, it tells you what your strengths are. And having taken this, it, it made me, first of all, aware of my strengths and, and how to lead with my strengths. But then as I read through all of the different strengths there are, and there's like 25, 30 of them, it made me realize that other people have strengths. And, and when I understand their strengths and how they're different from mine, it helps me with appreciation. 
because not only are they a child of God, they're handmade by God, but I come to understand how God handmade them. Example of this. Uh, it's coming to be October, which means it's pheasant hunting season in South Dakota, which is one of my favorite times of year. And, and when we go out, there's usually a group of about 20 of us that go hunting at the same time. Now, one of my gifts in the Strength Finder is Activator, which is let's do something, okay? Let's quit talking, let's do something. So when we would go out and we would go hunting and, and we're with all the cousins and the uncles and the grandpa and, and all of that, we would go out and we're, we're locked and loaded, we're ready to go, hit, get some birds. It starts at noon. 12, 12.15, 12.30. And I haven't even shot my gun yet. I mean, we're, we're not even out in the field. And they're just talking. They're just like, yeah, you know, the cows this year, the price of corn, all that stuff they're talking about. I'm like, oh my goodness. And so I thought to myself, hunting would be better if everyone here was motivated like I am. And then what I began to realize is that the strengths and the strength-based leadership and what they have was connectedness. They were enjoying each other. And, and so when they hear pheasant hunting, they don't think shoot birds. They think see family, enjoy one another, catch up on, on what they're, they're doing. So I said, do that at 10 a.m. and let's hunt at noon. How's that? And so what I've done, though, is as I've gone out there over, over the years, is that I've truly, I would say, grown to appreciate it. That, that I see what is happening, that, that's a different way of thinking, and I embrace it. I ask you to do the same with people in your life, and, and maybe at people at Crosswalk as well. First of all, to, to grow in appreciation. Maybe you're at aggravated right now. And, and, and as you look at their gifts from God, maybe to, to work up the ladder towards tolerance and, and towards acceptance, and maybe even one day through the Holy Spirit uh, to appreciate them. And, and then also, as you look at that, also then look at your gifts to say, what do I have by virtue of what I see that are the gifts that God has given me that, that can be put in place to be part of this body, to be part of whatever team it is, to God's glory. The world would be a better place if everyone was blank just like me. Thank God that we can say the world is a better place because everyone is not like me. The world is a better place because God has handmade his children and put them into this world fueled by the love of Jesus Christ to do good works. Let's pray. Dear Lord God, we thank you for the gift that you have given us in Jesus Christ. We thank you that you have made us just like you, perfect and holy and, and without sin and all of, all of that taken away. And now, Lord, we have this huge opportunity to live as your church, uh, united together and, and just as a good work machine that, that works separately and together. 
And, and so, Lord, we ask that you would help us to do that. Help us to do that on, on ministry teams. Help us to do that in growth groups. Help us to do this in worship. Help us to do this on Sunday mornings as everyone pitches in and, and, and uh, helps out with the gifts that they have. And Lord, let us then do it all to your glory and, and, and for the reaching out and the spreading of your kingdom. And it's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So before we close, if you would like more information about Crosswalk or to listen to other messages, head over to CrosswalkPhoenix.com or come and see us. Services are held at Cesar Chavez High School at 41st Avenue and Baseline on Saturdays at 6 p.m. and Sundays at 9 and 11 a.m. Visit our website for directions. And now some closing thoughts from Pastor Dan. So how do we do that? How do we go from intolerance to appreciation of the, of the gifts that God has given to other people? It's kind of interesting. 1 Corinthians 12, where that talks about that, is followed by 1 Corinthians 13, which is the love chapter. Uh, finally, that is how we grow in appreciation is, is when we realize what Christ has done for us, how he has lived for us in love and, and he fills us with love so that we are able to, to grow and overflow with love and appreciation for others. That's how we do it. And, and we do it with the help of the Holy Spirit. So go with the Lord's blessing. The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord look on you with favor and give you his peace. Amen. God bless you on your day and we'll see you on the patio.